Before we jump into that, I just want to kind of tag team something Trent said. Uh, I want you to be honest with me. How many of you would say, I'm just not a note taker? I just, I'm just not a note taker. All right, I, I get it. And I, and I have great appreciation for that. So that's why we put that events on you version. So if you're not a note taker and you just look at those blanks on the bulletin, what I would encourage you to do is to jump on that version event, and it's real easy for you to find. You scan that QR code in the top right-hand corner of your bulletin, or if you're watching online, or if you don't have a bulletin nearby, um, then I, I posted the link on the LivePoint Facebook page this morning. You can jump over there, and it'll take you right to the version uh, event tab. And there's much more there than we can put in that bulletin, you know, because... We only got this much space, but we got unlimited space on the version event. So there's a lot more there. You can follow on the scriptures. It, it's just a, a great way for you to follow on what God's doing today. So I would encourage you to do just that. All right. Look at somebody and say, get ready. Uh, I hope today, I hope you're so mad at me when you leave. Because um, this is, a, it's going to be a convicting day. Um, I'm going to tell you that, right, because it was convicting when I, when I put it together and God was laying this in my heart. It's a convicting day. Um, and, and the cool thing about the book of James is he is like, he'll, he'll say something and then he'll just hang out there for a minute and throughout the whole book. And, and back in, in uh, when we talked last week, actually, we've, we've said this every week. We've asked, we've told you that the book of James answers this question is Christianity about what I do or what I believe? And the answer to that question is obviously yes. Yes, and I hope you heard that last week if you were here uh, or you're watching online. Yes, it is what we believe and what we base our faith and hope and trust in, but it's also what we do with that belief. Faith without works is dead. Well, he does that again in James chapter 2. He just kind of drops this bomb on us. Uh, right before the whole faith without works part, he drops this bomb that we're going to talk about today, and then he, and then he picks up and, and camps out somewhere for a little while. James chapter 2, verse 8 says this, If you really keep the royal law in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. And what I hope you see there is there's a, there's, there's a chunk in that one little verse that, that teaches us three things about love. And we got we to gotta talk about this before we talk about that. Okay? Does that, that didn't make sense, did it? We got we to gotta hang out here before we hang out where we're really going to hang out today. All right? So we got to establish this. The, the first thing is, look, love must be genuine if you really keep the law. If, if you really keep it. How many have ever had somebody say, I love you, and you're like, you don't mean it? How's that feel, by the way? Yeah, not good. So James is like, it's got to be real. It's, it's got to be real. This, this loving your neighbor's got to be real. It can't be just some mask that we put on. It can't be some facade. It's got to be, say it with me, real. It, so first, it's got to be genuine. And then love must be external. Now, now listen, I get it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so there's, there's some validity to the thought that we got to love ourselves, right? I can't love you as myself. If I don't love myself well, I'm not going to love you well, right? But there has to be a point 
where there's an external expression of what God has done inside of us. That we love somebody. We express it outside of our own world. There's got to be an external expression of our love. So it's got to be genuine. It's got to be external. And, and here's where he kind of camps. He, he kind of drops this bomb on us. He says, you are doing right. So love must be active. Listen, regardless of what we've heard and listen, I got in so much trouble yesterday. My wife, I love, oh, I, I love her so much. But these, it's, y'all, and I don't mean to harp on this every year, but it's these Hallmark movies. And I, I come upstairs, and she's watching this Hallmark movie, and I made a bad choice. I sat down with her, and I started, I started doing what I always do, is I'm just like, well, here's what's going to happen. And I, I disclose in 45 seconds. I disclosed the plot of the movie, and it just chapped her good. She didn't like it when I do that, and I'm like, "You'd prefer me just come sit down and not say anything?" And she said, "Yes." <laughs> so I'm going to tell you that regardless of what cheesy Hallmark movies say, or what other romance movies say, or what love songs say. Love is not something you feel. Love's not something you think. Love's something you do. So it's got to be genuine. It's got to be external, and it's got to be active, okay? I, that's the framework of everything else we're going to say today. So I'm going to ask you a question now. And I asked them this in the, um, in the prayer room. And got a, I got a pretty unanimous response. Um, what if I told you? What if I told you that if you could get one part of your life under control, that the rest would fall into place? Anybody be interested in that? If I could say, if you could get this one thing down, all the other parts would fall into place. Would you be interested in that? Just I just need to see your hand. Okay, well, good. Because here's what James said in James chapter 3, verse 2. He said, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Anybody on board with that? Anybody make mistakes this week? Anybody make mistakes since church started? Okay, I got you. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. We're going to talk about that in a minute. For if, everybody say if. We control our tongues. We'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Can I just tell you, you could feel the tension in the room when I said that. Because I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this is probably an issue for everybody in the room. So let's look at what he said. He said, we all make many mistakes. The first thing we're going to understand, you, you can write this down, is that humanity is flawed. We are broken people. And we say that around here a lot. Do you know why? Because we're broken people. We, we don't have our, you know, we're, we're not, we haven't reached that state of perfection. We're going to, listen to me, there's going to come a day when we're going to see Jesus face to face. The Bible says we will we'll be like he is. And, and, and when we see him face to face, and I can't wait for that day, but that day is not today. I mean, it might be later today, but it's not right now. We're flawed. We're, 
broken. And here's what happens. Sometimes we expect other people to live up to some unattainable standard. Is that true? Sometimes we expect a lot out of people. And listen, sometimes we expect a lot out of the people we live with. We expect people to live to this unattainable standard. And sometimes we expect ourselves to live to, live to some unattainable standard. The truth of them, if this passage is true, we're going to stumble. Would, would you agree with that? Maybe... Maybe what James is going to help us do today is stumble less. I'm not, I, I, I know that I'm not going to walk in perfection, and, and, and you're probably not either. But what if we could grasp one part of our life that might help us stumble less? Well, that's what, that's what we're going to talk about today. Write this down. Your words matter more than you think. Sometimes we toss out our words very casually, don't we? Sometimes we think, I mean, we speak, and, and, and we don't really process the power of what we're going to say. Some of you recognize the name John Wesley. John Wesley was a very famous preacher in the 18th century, and the, the story goes that a woman walked to him, and she said, I think, Pastor Wesley, my talent from God is the ability to speak my mind. And apparently, Pastor Wesley said, I don't think God would mind very much if you buried that talent. I've told you this story before, but it, it, it works very well here, so I'm going to tell you again. Maybe you haven't heard this story. Maybe you have. I don't know. But it's been several years ago, and my youngest son, Matthew, was playing in a high school football state championship. And it was a glorious day. It, it, no kidding. All right, I'm just going to just reveal a dad moment. When you've been taking the kid to practice since he was six and he's playing for a state championship, it's a pretty good day for dad. <laughs> Throwing that out there. In fact, there was, there was one week where I had two boys win state championships in the same week. Couldn't get my head in the door. But this particular state championship game, uh, and, and when I watch any sport on TV, I'm usually pretty glued. If your kid's playing, you're so connected. My wife, not so much. She is a social butterfly. I have the mic. You don't. She's a social butterfly. She's chatting with all of her friends, and it's all, you know, and then she would say every once in a while, What happened? And so I'm focusing, she's not, I'm focused, she's not, what happened? And I would tell her because I'm kind and gracious and long-suffering. <laughs> and finally, it got to, now, now the funny part here is Tim Johnson is sitting right in front of me. And so she, this goes on for about the first half, and she says something, and, I, and here was my words. Darling, why don't you just sit there and look pretty? As, as the good Lord is my witness, Tim Johnson looked, ar looked around, and, and the look on his face was, how stupid are you? <laughs> Apparently pretty stupid. So now the joke is we'll be riding down the road, and, 
she'll be saying, you know, you probably should slow down. You probably should turn right. And I'll just say, why don't you just sit? And she's like, don't you even say that. <laughs> Sometimes we just throw out words without really weighing them. And sometimes that doesn't work out so well. The, the old children's rhyme song says, Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never. And how many know that's a lie from the pit of hell? How many know words can harm much worse than a weapon? In fact, the, the book of Proverbs says in Proverbs 18 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So our words matter more than we might think. Look at the words of Jesus. Every word Jesus spoke brought life. Every word Jesus spoke brought life. Every word. He's our example. I wonder if that could be said of us. Donna, she speaks life. Danny Huff speaks life. Can that be said of us? That we speak life and not death? I hope so. Because here's, here's the truth. What you say, you might want to write this down, is a reflection of what you think. What you say is a reflection of of what you think. Going to take, take a little poll here. If you've ever said these words, I want you to raise your hand. If you've ever said, I've just got to learn to keep my mouth shut. If you've said those words, raise your hand. Look, look, look at me in my eyes. That is not the answer. That is not the answer. Okay, if... if for instance, if you, drive, if you drive a Chevrolet, it's probably broken down on you before. And the, and the answer, the answer, okay, if you drive anything, it might just break down on you, right? Is the answer in that moment to pull it into the garage, shut the garage door, and just forget about it? No, that's not, that's not the answer. My good friend Tim just had his boat repaired. When the boat broke, is the right thing to do to just tie it up to the dock and just leave it be? No. And so I'm going to tell you that the right thing to do is not just to keep your mouth shut. It's to let the Spirit of God control what comes out of your mouth. Hmm. See, there's a Greek term. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. Now, if, if, if you've read that before, you heard us talk about it here, that when, when John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, that Word, they're talking about Jesus. The Word was Jesus. Now, there's a Greek term there. The Greek word for that, when, when you read, in the beginning was the Word, the Greek word is logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. We get our English word, logic. From that word. So what we see in Jesus is the expression of the logic of God in human form. So if Jesus was the expression of the logic of God, 
Jesus the Word, the expression of the logic of God, your words are the expression of the way you think. That's why your thought life is so important. That's why what you think about, what you let in your mind is so important. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says it this way. We demolish arguments. Uh, if you're reading King James, it says we destroy imaginations. And every pretension or every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And look, look at this. This is so important. And we take captive what? Every thought. Does it, why, did, why didn't he say to take captive every action? Why didn't he say take captive every word? Because everything starts with a thought. That's why your thought life is so critical. So if things are coming out of your mouth that don't need to be coming out of your mouth, there's a strong chance that things are in your head that don't need to be in your head. It goes a little deeper than that, though. Because what you think originates in your heart. If your words are a reflection of what's in your head, what's in your head is a reflection of your character. What's in your heart is a reflection of your character. Can I? Here's what this, how the Scripture says it. This is Jesus' words, by the way. And Jesus' words bring life or death? Life. life. Jesus said a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Where does it begin? In your heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. From your heart to your thoughts out of your mouth. My mouth. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, have you ever been on the phone with, let's say, a customer service representative, and you knew you were 100% right, and you were a little frustrated? Does that ever happen? Is that just me? Because it happened to me yesterday. Because the people were supposed to do something between 10 and 2, and it's not going to happen now, Mr. Light. Well, we're going to deliver it Monday at noon. I'm like, I've kind of got plans tomorrow at noon. That would be today. That would be like right now. And, it, you know, it, we go back and forth and go back and forth. And I, you, you feel your blood pressure building. Is that, is that just me? You know, you feel your blood pressure building because you're like, that's not what you said. That's not what you said. That's not what you said. And it seemed like that they were, you ever get the feeling like, I'm just going to tell this guy whatever I got to tell him to get him off the phone. You ever feel that way? That, that feels great, doesn't it? And so I'm frustrated, I'm frustrated, and then, and then I hang up the phone, and then I realize that I wasn't 100% right, I was only about 80% right. So you, here, here's, and I told you that story to tell you that there's always these moments when we have the opportunity to say things we probably shouldn't say, and I'm going to tell you that, that in that moment is not the time to control what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus said, what you say flows from what is in your heart. King James says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So 
Does that, does that tell me we have to pay attention to what goes in our mind and we have to pay attention to the condition of our heart? And so James jumps on this and he camps out for a little while and he picks it up in verse 7 and, uh, and, and he gives us some... So he told us if we can control our tongue, right? Every other part of your life. You got it. Is that what he said? Well, look at what he says now in verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. So he said, you got to control it, but you can't. You got to control it, but you can't. Thank you very much, Pastor James. So in the same chapter, James says, control your tongue. But then he says, it's probably not going to happen. We'll keep reading with verse 9. Sometimes it praises the Lord our Father. Sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I, I read one commentary that said, the same tongue is used for the highest calling, praising the creator of the world and the lowest evil, destroying his creation. Ow. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James is saying it's not the bitter water's problem, it's the spring's problem. And so what we can understand from that, it's not our words, it's not our vocabulary, it's the condition of our heart. What comes out of your mouth is a barometer for the condition of what's going on in your heart. Now that you're all encouraged... How do you control the uncontrollable? How do you, James said, control it, but you can't. And since, since we're all friends, does that ever happen to you? You say something, you're like, where did that come from? And, and listen, I'm not just talking about, you know, some of you are going to hear this and you think, well, Dwayne's talking about cussing. And, and maybe, I guess, I don't know. I, I think it's a little deeper than that. Now, obviously, we, we don't use foul language. But I, I, think it's, I think it's deeper than that. I think what happens is we wind up using words to destroy the creation of God or to harm the creation of God. And, and sometimes, and usually, and here's the, just the truth, y'all, and I don't know why it works this way, but it just does. Isn't it funny how you can control it with your boss? But you can't control it with your spouse. What's the difference? You can control it with the person that signs your check, but you probably can't control it with your kids. What's the difference? Something's going on in our heart, y'all. Something's going on in our heart. It's not a vocabulary problem. It's a heart problem. So how do you control the uncontrollable? You can't. 
Write this down. Control is found in the paradox of surrender. See, James gives us a recipe in James chapter 4 for how to not only control what's going on inside of us with our language, with our vocabulary, but every part of our life. When James said, if you'll control this, you can control everything else. And what he was really talking about was you not controlling it at all. Because he gives us this beautiful recipe in James chapter 4. We're going to read it together. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Maybe this is just me, but are there, are, are there times when the devil presents you with a temptation and instead of fleeing, we're like, hmm, hmm. Sometimes that's an action. Sometimes that's an attitude. Sometimes it's a word. I, I'm just going to tell you, the deeper my conversation got with my customer service professional yesterday, there were some temptations to say some things that I really wanted to say. And instead of fleeing from the temptation of our enemy, we're embracing what he's put in front of us. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, I, I find it interesting. I, we used to hear that phrase a lot, resist the devil, resist the devil and he'll flee. But that's not what the scripture says. The first thing he says is to humble ourselves before God. God, I can't control what comes out of here because what's in here is broken and what's in here needs help. So I'm humbling myself before you. Come close to God, verse 8 says. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Come close to God. He'll come close to you. And then he just gets. Pastor James gets crazy. He just is is just preaching here. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. James says, the problem isn't your language. The problem is you're not focused on Jesus. You've got a double mind. He talked about that in, 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 in the first chapter. The problem's not that, that, that you know, you have a language problem. The problem is you're not focused your life. You're not centered your life on the cross of Christ and what he's done for you. <laughs> your heart's divided between God and the world. And he says, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. So let me give you the recipe, okay? So we're talking about surrender, right? Because control is found in the paradox of surrender. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We want control, but the only way to really gain control is to surrender. So the, the way your mind works and the way my mind works is if I'm having 
difficult time controlling the vehicle, I grip the wheel a little tighter. Right? And, and, and the paradox says, if you're having trouble controlling the wheel, let go. I'm not going to, you know, have some hokey Carrie Underwood quote right now. You're welcome. It's not to grip it tighter, it's to let it go. And so what does that look like? Well, James gives us three ingredients to surrender. The first one is humility. He said, he said it twice. He said it at the beginning of the recipe, and he said it at the end. Humble yourselves before God. And then he said, humble yourselves before the Lord. He'll lift you up in honor. Here's what we know, and, and, and I've said it, Trent said it, Mikey said it. Matthew Robertson said it. The source of every sin is pride. The source of every failure, every, every sin, every, every time we've tripped on our walk with God is pride. I, I want something, and I want my way more than God's way. So if we're going to genuinely surrender our, our lives, our heart, our mind to the will of Christ, it starts with recognizing that we desperately need Him. And I can't do this apart from you. There's this picture of... Now, now we, like, we think of humility as a you know, soft-spoken voice. And, and what this really points to is us falling on our face as broken humanity before a holy God. And having a, an Isaiah chapter 6 experience, we saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filling the temple. And, and Isaiah said, I, I recognize at that point I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among people of unclean lips. And I have seen the Lord. When we gather in this room are you, and we... We recognize the presence of the Lord. Our first response should be humility. I'm not worthy of your grace, and I'm not worthy of your presence, and I'm not worthy of your salvation, and I'm not worthy to send your son, but you did. And it ought to break us. It ought to break us. The psalmist said that the blessings of God are broken and contrite spirit. That's when we recognize the, the awesomeness of God and the brokenness of humanity. Humility. And then the second, the second part of this recipe for surrender is proximity. Look, look at what he said. Come close to God. And God will come close to you. I, I bet you would agree with this statement. The closer I get to Jesus, the more life-giving words come out of my mouth. The closer I get to Jesus, the, the more life I speak into other people. The closer I get to Jesus, the more life I speak into the mirror. It's incredible how 
living a life in the presence of the Lord changes everything. Changes the way I think. It changes the condition of my heart and will change what comes out of my mouth. But then, y'all, there's another really important part of this recipe. Do you see where he's... It, it sounds so depressing. He said, wash you hands, your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. Your loyalty is divided. And then he said, let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief, sadness instead of laughter. That sounds an awful lot like repentance. So what surrender really looks like, the only way, by the way, that our hearts are in a condition to control what's in our mind, which then in turn controls what comes out of our mouth, is when we fall on the face on our face before the Lord in humility, in His presence, in humble repentance. That is control. That's how we control the uncontrollable. Because I'm going to tell you, this, this recipe works for more than just what comes out of your mouth. It might work for what you're letting your eyes fall on, what your ears listen to. It might work for that, that sticky, re- recurring sin that you just can't seem to... It's like gum on your shoe. Just can't get it off. Maybe. Could it be so simple that we humble ourselves before God, live a life where we chase His presence Look at me, every eye, daily. And live a life of humble repentance. Can I tell you? Let me tell you what that'll, can I give you a practical way what that'll stop? So when, you, when words come out of your mouth, let's say, oh, don't, oh no, hypothetically for some random customer service representative. As, as we remind ourselves daily just how, how much we need our Savior, how much we need our God, that attitude of humility will be reflected in our conversation with other people. In other words, you, you may find yourself lifting people up instead of trying to tear them down. You may try to, you find yourself trying to, as you look in the mirror, and the enemy would love for you to talk about all the ways that you don't measure up and to use words that would reflect that, that you resist the devil. Watch him flee, come close to God, and what comes out of your mouth is you're a child of God. God loves you enough to send his only begotten son. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. It changes what comes out of your mouth. All right, here we go. I gave you one, two... I don't even know how many I gave you. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Next steps. Uh, pretty simple. But I think if we, if we leave with these in our heart and mind, I think, I think it'll change. I think it'll change what comes out of our mouth. Number one, let love be your default. I, I wonder 
when, when the situation or circumstance arises where you could use words that were not life-giving, if this thought would pop into our heart, how can I best display love in this moment? Now listen, let me, can, I, can I call time out? Now there, there are people who would take something like this and, and use it to mean something I'm not saying. God never intended you to be a doormat. I'm not telling you not to stand up for yourself. I'm not telling you not to, uh, to, to allow somebody to use words to you that are destructive and toxic. In fact, I've had to say these words to another human being. I will not allow you to speak to me that way. There may have been times when I had to tell two young strapping boys, you will not speak to your mother that way. So I'm not telling you that the, the love default means that you're all of a sudden a doormat, all right? Sometimes the most loving thing you can do to somebody is say, listen, you're not talking to me that way. It may be the catalyst that lets her mind jump into the mix and say, I, mean, I, I probably really shouldn't talk to her that way or him that way. So let love be your default. Second thing is be an agent of grace. What did the passage say? We all make mistakes. And sometimes what we do is we expect others to live to this unattainable standard. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to give grace to other, others when they do what humans do. If humans make mistakes, let's give grace to others with our actions and with our words when they do what humans do. Okay? And then, listen, please, I, and I, just, I sincerely believe somebody needs to hear that this, this morning, that you give grace to yourself when you do what humans do. Sometimes we are so harsh on ourselves because we find out we are not perfect and that we still have growth that needs to take place. Sometimes we're so harsh on ourselves when we see that we still make mistakes. And I'm going to tell you to give yourself some grace. The words you say to you matter. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If Jesus only spoke words of life, here's your challenge. Only speak life-giving words to yourself. You're an addict. You'll always be an addict. Devil, you're a liar. I'm bought with a price. I'm free indeed because the Son has set me free. It'll ch- listen, y'all. It'll change. It'll change you. You're not smart enough. You don't measure up. You are absolutely right. But the Jesus that lives in me is all I need. He's enough and more than enough. And every place that I'm weak, he completes. It matters. The words you say to yourself. And, and listen, and, and that's why when I told you a little bit earlier, we... We're thinking, well, what, what Dwayne's talking about is not, you know, not saying a curse word. And, and listen, there's some curse words I don't get anyway. <laughs> how, how come it's okay to say poop, 
But if I said the S word, y'all fire me. It's the same thing. All right? Not saying say it, okay? But that's not what I'm talking about. I, I think that many of us need to let the Spirit of God control what we say to ourselves. All right. Let love be your default. Be an agent of grace. Write this down. Weigh your words. I'm a coffee drinker. Any coffee drinkers in the house? Love me some coffee. Somebody introduced me to Black Rifle Coffee Company. It was my oldest son, Mikey. It's, it's good stuff, okay? I get a shipment once a month. And it's just, y'all, I'm telling you, it's good stuff. They're not paying me. They probably need to. <laughs> but but let, me, let me tell you what happens. Um, when I put it in my coffee maker, there's a real important part. You know, you got your water and you got the coffee, but there's another real important part of that process that if you don't do it, it's going to make a nasty cup of coffee. You know what it is? There's a filter. And all of that good stuff has got to go through a filter. And so what if we just said, Lord, would you put a guard on my heart and a guard on my mouth? So I might weigh these words before they come out of my mouth. Look, look at me. Especially with those that are closest to you. Because it's easy to filter people that, that, that you work with. It's easy to filter your words with people that pay your check. It's easy to filter your words with people you go to church with. But listen, when the doors close, the filter sometimes gets thrown away. And I'm going to tell you that there maybe should be no greater time that you weigh your words. Because why would I want to speak a, a, a deathly word to somebody that, I've, that I live with, somebody that I'm trying to raise? Weigh your words. And honestly, I've said all of this to get to where we're at right now. Because there's only one way. There's really only one way that you and I can control what comes out of our mouth. There's really only one way we can control our behavior. There's really only one way that we can control our attitudes and our actions. that's when the God of the universe performs surgery on our heart. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. <laughs> but what if All right, I was, I'm a new creation, and I'm still broken. I, I love this passage in the Old Testament that God makes his mercies new every morning. So this morning, there was a new sunrise, was there not? Tomorrow morning, there'll be another what? what new sunrise? 
that, that only works with God things. It, it doesn't matter how many times you paint your, and tune up your car. It's never going to be new, new again, is it? But God specializes in new and renew. So here's, here's how we grow in this process. Is we learn to live in the promise of renewal. It's where the God of the universe takes our soul. And day after day after day renews our heart. Renews our mind. Renews our thoughts. I love this passage. Listen, Psalm 51 verse 10 illustrates this beautifully. Here's what the psalmist said. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And look at this word. And renew, renew a right spirit within me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I, I need renewal. He made me new, but I need to be renewed. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Listen to what the psalmist says now. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Create a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. God specializes in the new and the renewed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Dwayne, there's some stuff that needs to be renewed. Maybe you've recognized this morning that the, the problem with the stuff coming out of your mouth isn't a vocabulary problem. It's because something's not right in your heart. Now, now listen, I'm not beating you up. I'm, I'm not. I'm just telling you that the only way to control what comes out of your mouth is let God give you a brand new renewed heart and he will it's a promise and then lastly understand the power of surrender I want you to bow your heads with me Maybe you guys are watching online. I know it may seem weird to sit in your living room and do what I'm getting ready to ask you to do, but I'm going to ask you to anyway. I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to pray a very dangerous prayer this morning. I want you to ask God to do this very simple task. Search my Maybe you recognize this morning there's some things in your mind that are coming out of your mouth, but they originate in your heart. And before you beat yourself up too bad, I'm going to tell you that the whole of humanity is in need of a new heart. Like, well, Dwayne, I'm, I'm a Christian. I didn't say you weren't. He created a new heart, but maybe we need to have God renew us this morning. And the only way to accomplish that is to let go of the wheel. 
to draw close to God in humility and repentance and let him have control of every part of your life because if you we read it if he can control what comes out of our mouth the only way he's going to do that is control what's in our mind and the only way he's going to do that is control what's in our heart everything else changes when your heart's new everything changes So just so I know who I'm praying for today. Nobody's looking around. I mean, I gotta I gotta say this first. Just listen. Y'all, y'all know I don't I don't say things to just try to pump up your emotion or uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that I recognize a couple things are happening this morning. Yeah, I I've prayed about it before and it didn't change. And the enemy has told you that this is just who you are. It's just how it's going to be. I'm going to tell you that he's a thief and a liar. And I'm going to tell you that if you allow God control of every part of your heart, you let him renew you not next week today this morning things will change does that mean you'll be perfect from this point forward nope we all make many mistakes but I believe God will do a work in your heart if you'll let him today maybe it's not your your language that that God needs to renew maybe it's what's going on in your head, maybe the thoughts that you're thinking, maybe it's, 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 a, it's a sticky sin, maybe it's that gum on your shoe, I don't, I don't know, but, but I'm just telling you what I believe the Lord told me to tell you this morning, that if you'd open your heart to him, he'd renew it, he'd make it new and then renewed. And you'll leave this place this morning with a determination to keep Jesus central and, and keep Jesus the focus of your existence and watch everything change. When I've, I've done, I've said the prayer, listen, I'm not telling you you're not saved. I'm just telling you that could this be a part of the abundant life in Christ that you haven't been able to grab hold of yet? Could it be? All right. Dwayne, there's... Maybe it's just the easy way to say this this morning. I need God to renew something in my heart today. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand in here so I know I'm praying for it. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Me too, y'all. Me too. <laughs> so here's what I'd, I'd love for you to do. And I want you to, I want you to, I don't want you to push back on this just yet, okay? I just want you to hear my heart. I'm going to challenge you, if you raised your hand, to just very quietly just slip out of your seat and kneel around this altar and ask God to renew your heart.
cause your pride to well up. I can't go, I can't, I can't walk up there and kneel around. I don't know what people think. You don't need to be worried about what people might think right now. Humble yourself before God. Draw close to Him. And I believe that's what He's calling some of you to do. It's just, uh, maybe that's what this is all about, is an act of humility. Where I, I've got to get out of my seat, and I've got to walk up there and kneel just as an act of humility and draw close to God. I challenge you to do that right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. <laughs> wow. God, do what only you can do in this place today. Renew hearts. Renew lives. Renew minds. Hey, if you're watching online, listen to me. You can make that couch. You can make that dining room table. You can make that that bed you're sitting in, that chair you're sitting in. You can make that an altar this morning. And you can kneel at, at the throne of God. If you'll draw close to God, He'll draw close to you. And I believe that's what God's doing, not only in this altar, but those of you that are watching online, you can make an altar right where you're at. God, I need you. I humbly bow before you. I'm drawing close to you. And here's here's where we're at. God, forgive me of my sin. I'm, I'm coming to you with tears. I'm coming to you with grief in my heart because I've I've, I've walked away from your path. I, I, there's things that have come out of my mouth. There's things that are in my head that don't belong. And the only way I can, I, I can control them, the only way I can conquer them is if the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit were to arrest my soul and create it brand new. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit in me. Listen, the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen, y'all. The Holy Spirit's doing a work in hearts and lives today. So here's, I don't want you to get in a hurry around this altar. I just want you to allow God to do a work inside. Because it changes everything.
Father, as humbly as I know how, would you, as only you can, renew hearts, renew lives, renew families, renew, 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 in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we sent your presence in this place. ask God to renew your heart. Here's, here's what I want you to do in this moment. Thank Him for doing it. God, thank you for making our hearts brand new and renewed. Thank you, Jesus, for the work of the cross. That is more than enough. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for sealing the work of matter. Your words to yourself matter, but 
words you speak to your Father matter. He hears your cry and He hears your worship. And it's a sweet smelling aroma around His throne this morning. You just speak a word of worship and just honor Him for His goodness and grace and love and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. just sitting here and I was just thanking God because I mean you saw me I was up here there's some God there's some things some attitudes and actions God needs to work in me and this is what I sensed his spirit saying you know we've had we've had some messages two weeks in a row now that God's speaking to his church and this is what I felt like he was saying he's saying I'm getting my church ready I'm burning away the chaff I'm getting rid of the, the bad stuff I'm trying to clean out my people to get them ready He's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. So what I would invite you, as God is doing a work in the church at large, as well as individuals, don't turn your back. Don't push back on it. Don't think, don't be afraid of what somebody's going to think about you because he's preparing you. He's preparing us for what he has prepared for us. The time is short. The world is changing quickly and people need Jesus and they're looking to the Christians, they're looking, they will be looking to the church. And as we, I believe, as as it gets closer and closer to that time, we're going to see some people fall away, and we're going to see some people draw close. And that's what He's doing. He's doing a work in hearts. He's doing a work in lives, and He's burning away the chaff. He's getting rid of the junk. So, man, don't let Him do a work in you. Don't let pride get in the way. Get your life ready. Get your heart ready for what God wants to do in you, what he's preparing for you. That's just what I felt like he dropped into my spirit today while I was sitting there. Why don't you dismiss us now? Let's pray. Father, you are such a good God that you would just take the time to speak to us, your people, who are so unworthy, that you would take the time to share a personal word for this group of people. What an honor. Lord, don't let us ever take that for granted, but let us take it to heart. Lord, don't let us push back, but let us lean in. Let us receive. Let us recognize the things in us that need to change, that need to be burned away, that need to be taken out. Dear God, let us recognize those things and receive your word and do something about it, God, because you are preparing us for what you have prepared for us. Dear God, you're coming back soon. The world is changing quickly, and there's work for us to do, Lord. So, Lord, let us step up. Your word says, if we're lukewarm, you're just going to spit us out of your mouth. You want a church that's on fire for you. You want, you want a people, Lord, who are all in. Dear God, so I pray for that. As, as the weeks come, Lord, and, and as you challenge us with change and renewal, dear God, that we wouldn't push back, but that we would receive it and we would do something about it that we would let go of pride 
and we would receive whatever it is you want to change and renew in our life, God. Thank you for, for your word today, God. Thank you for the reminder of who you are and who we are in you. Do work in your people and let us not just leave it in this sanctuary, but let us take it with us out this door and live it out this week and be people who speak life and give life and live out a worshipful life to you, God. Lord, I pray blessings. I pray blessings in abundance, Lord, and strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to work in us. In Jesus' name, I ask and pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Have a great afternoon.